Hello, Shy Hearts, and welcome to episode 42 of Meet Us at Molly's. I'm Gina. I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm joined tonight by Bryna. Hello, everybody. Guys, Ashley is sick again. <laughs> I feel like this is like a bi-weekly occurrence, like... You know, she's there for a couple episodes and then she's gone and we're like, oh, Ashley's sick again. And then she's back and then she's sick again. Just like let this be a lesson to you guys. Like wash your hands, hydrate, <laughs> use hand sanitizer. Guys, we, we're two and a half weeks out from the Chicago Heroes event, okay? We can't have anybody dropping like flies, okay? Everybody needs to like sanitize, hydrate, wash their hands, be healthy. Just, Yeah. But with that being said, Ashley, feel better. We miss you. We can't wait to record with you again. Um, Yeah. Yes. Please feel better. Please. (laughs) It's scary. I keep hearing stories about, like, all my friends getting the flu, and it's got me terrified. Yeah. I'm, like, really hoping me or my roommate don't get sick so that I don't experience that because everybody I've heard that's gotten it says it feels like death, and I don't want to even go near it. My best friend got it when she was in town for like a week or two from Italy because that's where she lives now. And mm. she got the flu somehow. And like all of the plans she came here for just went out the window. Yeah, it's it's horrible. And I'm not even trying to go anywhere near it. Especially like save it for after OCE. Like give it to me after I go to Chicago. Yes. Like, March 7th sounds great to get the flu. <laughs> not before then. <laughs> I always get these like sponsored ads on my Instagram and I always get one from Campbell's that like freaks me out and it's like <laughs> we don't need to tell you that the flu is coming and I'm like Campbell's are you threatening me like yeah what is happening right now seriously that's insane it's scary I don't know I had another friend this morning like wake up with hives or something and everybody in her comments was like that's a warning sign of the flu I was like I I, I woke up and my finger hurt this morning am I getting the <laughs> flu yeah it's scary times y'all just yeah. Stay away. Stay stay warm. Stay hydrated. Ugh. Anyway, tonight we're going to cover Chicago PD Season 5, Episode 14, entitled Anthem. Now, before we do so, we like to start with the news, just like always. And we did get some news this week, actually. Uh, you know, we're officially an Olympic hiatus, so the news isn't coming as fast as it usually does. But we still did get a couple blurbs. So... The first interesting thing we got, this wasn't Chicago related specifically, but Spoiler TV dropped what's called a blind item, and they hinted at a major character on one of the shows they listed as having a breast cancer storyline coming up. And so they posted the list and what they what they said in the article, and and I quote here, a series regular on one of the shows below in the poll will have their character diagnosed with breast cancer. So here's the list. Okay, here's the list. We've Mm -hmm. got Grey's Anatomy. This is us. Jane the Virgin. Scandal. How to get away with murder. Unreal. Arrow. Crazy ex-girlfriend. Supergirl. The Americans. Homeland, The Blacklist, and the reason we're reporting on this is because the last show listed is Chicago Fire. Whew, that's a lot to take in. Okay, so I heard the news and immediately I was like, all right, 
let's just run through a bunch of scenarios here. There was no clear front runner in my mind. Brenna, did you have any guesses? I mean, I feel like, I mean, I watch a lot of these shows and I feel like I could eliminate some of them. Like, I don't know which one it is, but I feel like I could definitely eliminate some of them. Like what? Like, well, for example, I mean, I don't watch The Americans, but this is a series. Well, this is the last season of The Americans when it comes back in March or whenever it comes back. Mm -hmm. So I highly doubt that's happening. And I feel like too much else happens on that show for them to deal with the breast cancer storyline. So, like, I feel like The Americans is not realistic. Um, Supergirl and Arrow. Just, again, like, too much else happens, like superhero wise for I feel like them to drop a breast cancer storyline um Jane the Virgin they kind of dropped some bombs in last Friday so Friday being the ninth um last Friday's episode and that I don't see coming like I don't see a breast cancer storyline happening there at all um I mean I guess it could be Grays. it could be fire I mean, I haven't caught up on This Is Us, but I feel like people are pushing that it could be Rebecca on there. Um, So I feel like I could do a little bit of eliminating and things, but I don't know if there's like a real front runner in my mind. Now, I know you're not caught up on This Is Us. Um, I'm not. I sort of am, though, so put your earmuffs on. Um, (laughs) Do you mind if I just like blab this real fast? It's not like a spoiler. As long as it's not about Jack, I don't care. It's not about Jack. So okay. in last week's episode, um, and if you know me, you know, I kind of hate watch This Is Us. It's a long story, but <laughs> I wasn't paying full attention. But I do know that they hinted in last week's episode of Rebecca having a cancer scare back during back when Jack was alive. So when I put the call or not put the call out, but when I tweeted this on our account, um, a lot of people came back and most of the answers were split between This Is Us and Grey's. Yeah. I feel like out of the ones, because I mean, I'm not caught up on Crazy Girlfriend, but like I watch, um, I mean, I've never seen Unreal. Like, I, I mean, I'm familiar with most of the shows and I feel like out of the shows, like all of these shows, I feel like it would most likely happen on Grey's or This Is Us. And I feel like I do remember seeing people after last week's This Is Us, like tweeting about Rebecca possibly having cancer or maybe it could be breast cancer. So I feel like that's the front runner if I had to guess. But I'm not like 100% confident in saying it's going to be This Is Us. That's kind of why I hate watch that show is because it's just too much. Like, uh, it. I don't know. It, it's usually emotional in a good way, but then it just crosses the line and I'm like, I can't take it. Like, stop. But that's just my rant. I don't know. I have wine, guys. I'm sorry. I might say anything tonight. We don't know. <laughs> so. But yeah, I don't see it. The point of, like you said, like the point of us talking about it on this podcast is because Chicago Fire was mentioned and I don't see it being fire. Right. Hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, well, especially, I feel like especially because they've got a crossover to deal with still. Like when we come back from hiatus, they have a crossover to deal with. They're Brett or whoever we think Brett, but whoever this pregnancy thing is going to happen, Severide's mom is coming back to town. Whatever is going to happen with Dossie the rest of the season, Stellaride still has to go somewhere. Like Lillian Otis, like maybe Joe. Like there's just so many other things that I can name off the top of my head that are happening with Chicago Fire. Like I really doubt they're going to throw in breast cancer in there, but I could be wrong. You know Derek's off somewhere in California right now just twiddling his thumbs, like, maniacal laughing. Like, mwah-ha-ha-ha. Yeah. Ha, ha. Just, 
I don't know. Yeah, I mean, this is us and Grays make the most sense, but I don't know. I kind of like that they dropped a blind item. I don't think I've ever seen them do this before. I kind of like it. I think it's a cool concept, a cool way to deliver spoilers. It's cool until your show is mentioned in every single one and you're like, stop it. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, but I think it's a cool way to deliver spoilers. That's not just like a simple Q&A. No, it's pretty cool. So speaking of spoilers, the other piece of news we got was from Entertainment Weekly. And this was from their spoiler room. And this was actually sent to us by listener Carlin. I think it's Carlin or Carolyn. We're sorry. We can't remember. We'll check it in a minute. But yeah, um, this was sent to us by a listener. Brenda, why don't you go ahead and take us through this? Yeah. So the question that was asked, I think she asked it to EW, um, was about like what's coming up for Upton. And so EW delivered that apparently Rick Eads sent, you know, said that coming up, Upton will dust off an old undercover identity to help bring it down a dangerous criminal with whom she has a complex past. She crosses lines and puts herself in danger, but Halstead has her back. It's his turn to help her. Halstead, in effect, repays the favor. Their relationship is now on more equal footing and their respect for one another is stronger than ever. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah. Thoughts? That was, I mean, that was kind of my thought was like, oh, okay. So, like, I can't tell, though, based on this last part, like, their relationship is now on more equal footing and their respect for one another is stronger than ever. Like, I can't tell if this is, like, in a friendship way, if this is, like, in a partnership way, or if this is, like, pushing towards, like, a romantic way. I think it's more in a partnership way. I think when we talk about a romantic way, I think that's us just prepping for the worst, you know? Not to say that them getting together would be the worst. We just, none of us ship it, but that doesn't mean it's like a terrible thing. But I would like to think this is in a partnership way. And that's what I think. And that's what like my gut is telling me that it is. But I don't know. I feel like such, there was such a focus in like for most, for like half of this paragraph about Halstead. That, like, I don't know. I think maybe it's just in the back of my mind because so many people out there already do ship that weren't Lindstead fans ship Upstead because she's not – because Upton is not Lindsay. Mm -hmm. And so, for me, I'm like, like, what if that happens? But, like, I think my gut tells me it's not going to happen and that it's just, like, on pure, like, partnership level. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing this develop, though, because I feel like their dynamic up until now has kind of – prohibited them from developing a good partnership like he hasn't trusted her and so he's just kind of been enduring her as his partner but if they're gonna kind of learn to trust each other now and like you know develop a rapport I'm, I'm excited to see how that's gonna develop yeah and well and I think Halstead you know because of the way Upton has been there for him throughout everything he's gone through you know he I would hope Jay finally sees that, like, Upton is trustworthy and is someone he can, you know, put his life, you know, in her hands. And so I'd hope we get to now see that, like, it's not just going to be this one-sided partnership. Like, it is going to be a true partnership in every respect of the – in every sense. Yeah, like, he knows now that he can trust her. It just kind of took him a little bit. Yeah, and so, like, hopefully now we'll get to see that, like – I mean, this is what it says. It's like, Halstead, in effect, repays the favors. Like, he is going to be there for her. So I'm super excited for that. Yeah. Plus, we just don't know a whole lot about Upton. So any bit more that we get to see about her is always going to be super exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So 
It's a good bit. Um, the last bit of news we have, if you missed the tweet this week, guys, we are on Stitcher. Woo-hoo! We're now available on Stitcher. So I took us long enough. This is good for the Android users, right? Yes. Sorry, guys. All three of us are team iPhone. Um, team iPhone forever. But, I mean, if you don't listen to your podcast through iTunes, you can now listen to us via Stitcher. That's awesome. So we're now available in, I think, three places, right? Yes. Podbean, well, iTunes, and Stitcher. Yes. Yeah. It's like iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. But, yeah, same thing. Yeah. So, guys, if you like the show, please, please, please rate us, review us, tell a friend or five. Um. Yeah, please, like, help us get the word out. Um, if you don't like the show, that's a bummer. But also, you know, tell us what we could do to improve, please. Um, you can always email us anytime. It's meetus at mollies at gmail.com. And we'll, of course, reiterate that at the end of the show. But yeah, get in touch with us. Rate us, review us. Please, please, please. We would love that. So without further ado, I think we can now jump into the episode. What do you think? Yes, let's do it. All right. So once again, this is season five, episode 14 entitled anthem episode 14 man can you believe that i know we have less than 10 episodes left like we're over halfway through the season yeah like we have less than 10 episodes left what in the world how did this season go by so quickly i think it's it's just interesting because pd aired the most so far out of the three and so for me like i'm like oh yeah well like especially when you think about med like med's on episode nine so i'm like oh yeah we have time like it's fine but no like (laughs) Yeah. It feels like just yesterday, like 501, 601, 301 started. Yeah. I don't know. Just time flies. Yeah. All right. So we start the episode and it opens on a huge protest and it is led by a girl named Brianna Woods. And yes, that is Denny's daughter. (laughs) So yeah, Denny's daughter is leading an anti-police protest. Just just let that simmer. Let it kind of, you know, process. So Upton points this out to Jay because Upstead is just like kind of integrated into the crowd. And Upton's like, well, that's the definition of irony. Touche. But also, I mean, this kind of set off something that I thought about for the duration of the episode. I wonder why. Why is she leading a police protest when her father is a cop? Yeah, I mean, we kind of learn a little bit about it so we can talk about it later. But yeah, I think it's an interesting like it was definitely something. I thought about when, like, the episode started. I was like, well, yeah, why? If this is Denny's daughter, you know, Denny being whatever. I always forget what Denny actually is, like, sergeant or whatever he is. But someone who's high up in, you know, the police world. um, Yeah, why is she leading an anti-police protest? But he's an independent auditor slash pain and voice ass, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I didn't think he was a sergeant. It didn't sound right as I was saying it, but I, you know, whatever. He's still high up. Didn't he have a fall from grace? Like, he was a high up, and then he got stripped of his title? I don't know. I need to go back and, re- like, watch the scene where he's introduced at the end of season four. End of season, yeah. Yeah, uh, true story. Yeah, so then there's a young man named Chris, and he takes the microphone, and- or. Maybe not the microphone. Megaphone? I don't know. But he starts talking. <laughs> and so, you know, Chris is, Chris makes a couple points and he just says, protesting injustice, that is what the flag stands for. Well, we cut to Jay 
And Jay turns to Haley and says, I have no respect for this kid. I have six friends who died for that flag. Hold the phone. Tell us more. Tell us all of it. Like, we want to hear all of it. And so there's just a couple little snippets from Jay in this episode where he has, like, these one-liners or these little quips that you're just like, hang on. Go back. Elaborate, please. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, like, as soon as I heard this, like, part, like, the first part of me was, like, like you said, like, tell me more. Like, I want to know more about Jay's past. And, you know, obviously, like you said, we got snippets of it throughout this episode. But then the second thing my mind went to was we all know if you follow Jesse Lee Stoffer on Twitter, like, he's very vocal about his political point of views. And so my first, my second thought was I'd wonder what Jesse thinks about Jay's point of view regarding the flag issue. Oh, that's a good point. Like, I feel like it's most likely opposite and like obviously we like we'll talk about this when we get there but jay comes to kind of understand the opposite point of view from his but i'm probably pretty certain that jesse's personal point of view is very different from jay's and so like i'm just i'd be curious to know what jesse thinks about jay's point of view i'm so curious about the way jesse views jay because the last time they had a Sierra chat, which we love so much. Oh, I love a good Sierra chat. <laughs> Jesse had said, he's like, Jay and I don't really have a lot of stuff in common. We just drive the same truck. <laughs> so that's another part of Jay Halstead slash Jesse Soffer that I'm curious about, aside from Jay's past. But yeah, I mean, so no, that was just something I was thinking about as I was watching and it started with this line. I was like, I wonder what Jesse thinks about this. I mean, of course, we can't speak for Jesse, but I mean... I could see where Jay's coming from. I mean. Yeah, I think it goes back to, like, this debate is such a complicated debate. And, like, we're going to talk because they get more into the, like, different points of view of this debate, you know, later on. But this debate is so complicated. So, yeah, it's just it makes it makes for a very interesting episode. It really does. This episode was, I mean, they, the way they presented the story, it was, I mean, it's, it's a very nuanced, complicated issue, like you said, but they presented it in such a crystal clear way that, I mean, this episode was very well executed. Yeah, definitely agree. I think it would have been really easy to be like, oh, like only show one point of view about like, and like like we both said, you know, this is a very nuanced and complicated discussion. And I think it would have been really easy to go like, no, like protesting for the anthem is wrong or yes, protesting for the anthem is right. Like it would have been really easy to pick a side and go with it. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they showed like it's not yes or it's not no. And there's like a bunch of different sides even within if you pick yes or no. And I think they 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 like you said, it was very well executed. Yeah. So Intelligence is embedded throughout this protest because they're on the lookout for a man named David Dixon. So Ruzik is like embedded with this crew, basically, and he's supposed to be a Dixon supporter. Antonio is just kind of watching, but Dixon rolls up and it becomes pretty obvious that they don't like say it outright, but Dixon's a white supremacist is pretty much what they're trying to get across. And so Dixon and his crew, they crash the protest And a huge fight slash riot just, like, ensues. And, oh, my God. It's, like, huge. For Chicago PD, for me to see – when I saw that scene, I was like, this is big even for them. Yeah. There's just – 
again, there's so many different parts to the scene. And so, yeah, I think it was very, like you said, it was must have been an absolute insanity to film. And again, very well done because it made it seem real. Yeah, I wonder if that was one of those shoots where it took them like a 10, 11 hour day, but they only used like five seconds of clips, you know? Yeah. Like one of those crazy bits. I don't know. Yeah, like where they filmed the one scene like that entire day. Yeah, you remember that episode, maybe in season three, I think it was like one episode before Berzik broke. Um, They went to that party and there was like that pool that Jay got like football tackled into or something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember when they shot that, they, it was like a 12-hour day. It was like a full day. And they used maybe like two minutes of footage in the episode. Really? I didn't know yeah. that. I just remember all the goofy pictures we got out of that. Like, we got Je- we got Jesse in the pool. And then, like, Marina playing with LaRoyce or something just, like, around the pool. I don't know. It's just fun pictures. But... Side note, anyway, so it was crazy to film. But uh, one thing that I noticed here is that Brianna, like, gets right in the thick of it. I'm like, girl, you're, like, 100 pounds on a good day. What are you doing fighting these, like, big burly men? Yeah, but I mean, you know, she's passionate about this issue, so she wants to be in the middle of it. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I've never been in a situation like that, so I guess I can't say what I would do, but eh, takes balls. So... Yeah, this crazy fight sequence breaks out. Or not fight sequence, like riot, fight, whatever. There's smoke bombs. There's people fighting. There's, it's crazy. So afterwards, Upton, Halstead, and Antonio, they debrief. And there's something like 30 arrests for like disorderly conduct or something. It's crazy. But they're interrupted by a report of shots fired in a nearby parking garage. So they go into the garage. And when this aired, I made a joke. I was like, man, they rebuilt that garage that fell on Gabby quite nicely. Like, <laughs> whatever. But uh, they go through the garage and they find the body of Chris Taylor, who was the guy talking before about protesting injustice. They find his body. And he was a point guard on the college basketball team. So that is our teaser. Something else I love that was like a subtle detail of what they did. If you notice, when Antonio radios it in, they show the title, but they didn't cut him off. Like, you hear him talking through the title sequence. Really? Yeah, it's kind of, I don't, I don't know. It was like a cool, it was like a tiny little detail, but it was, it was kind of a cool touch. Made it kind of seamless. I'm going to have to go, like, just rewatch that. Because I don't, I didn't notice it. And I just rewatched it today, or like earlier, but I will go have to go look at that. I noticed it and I was like, this is different. <laughs> I see you, PD. What are you doing? So I thought that was kind of cool. Just a little detail, but. So Voight and the rest of Intelligence, they arrive at the parking garage. And what a surprise, they can't find Dixon. So, well, Of course they can't. Of course they can't, yeah. So Atwater mentions that Ruzik is undercover with, quote unquote, that gang in Michigan. That gang, I think, is Dixon's crew. But he's undercover with them in Michigan. And so Voight tells Kevin to tell him to stay under. Now, my mind, like, ran at this point. Because you remember that stretch last year when Patty was in L.A.? Yes. So I know we don't want to look back on it. So <laughs> I like the minute he said that he was undercover with this crew in Michigan, I was like, so he's going to be gone the whole episode. And then I was like, oh, my God, what if it's a Ruzik cliffhanger? Yeah, I really thought that they were like once they mentioned that, that like we weren't going to see Patty for the rest of the episode. Yeah, I got scared. I I'm glad I'm not the only one whose mind went into hyperdrive. I didn't necessarily think it was going to be a Ruzik cliffhanger, but I definitely was like, okay, well, Ruzik's gone for the rest of the episode. Yeah. I'm glad we were wrong. 
Yes, I'm glad that we saw him again. Yes, and again and again in his blue plaid and rock star coat, but we'll get there. So <laughs> Upton and Voight talk to Brianna back at the 21st, and we basically find out that Brianna wrote an article about Chris and her boyfriend Jamal just kind of taking a stand and protesting the anthem, but people at the school did not respond well. They weren't very happy about it. So Denny finally shows up, and he's kind of a concerned father in this bit. Like, this is the other thing the episode did a really good job of, is that, like, I didn't spend the episode viewing Denny as a villain. I just spent the episode looking at him as another concerned father. Yeah, that's a good point. I definitely agree. Like, that's definitely, like, now that you say that, I definitely felt the same way. Like, I didn't see him in this moment as someone who hates Voight. I just saw him as someone who, not necessarily that I care about, but, you know, as someone who's a part of the 21st and is a part, you know, and is someone, you know, who's going through the situation with his family and, you know, needs some kind of sympathy. They humanized him. Yeah, and I definitely think, Going off the, like, villain aspect of Denny, I don't think if you just watched this episode, if you saw what was going on, that you would think that Denny and Voight don't get along and that Denny was after Voight. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. But, you know, Denny shows up and he's just a concerned father. But, you know, it looks like they get along well. So Brianna's dislike for the police, I mean... It doesn't quite stem from her relationship with her father, unless it does, and it's just something we haven't seen, but she and Denny appear to get along. Yeah, and I mean, we can kind of talk about later when we get there about, like, Denny's mixed reactions to kind of Brianna's reactions to, you know, everything. But yeah, they definitely seem to get along. Yeah. Yeah, and so Denny makes a couple little lines here. Like, one thing he says, he goes, well, you're lucky the police were there. And Brianna just goes, couldn't resist, huh? So... This is probably an ongoing thing is what it sounds like to me. But Yeah, I definitely think she seems like the kind of kid who found her political activism in college and has seemed to be very into what's happening in the world since she's been in college. Yeah, yeah. And so Denny pulls Void outside at this point and he basically tells him to put their differences aside and that this is about Brianna. Granted, I mean... I didn't feel that was necessary, but I can see how Denny would feel that's necessary. Because um, I just, we know how Voight ticks, and we know in a case like this involving the child of a fellow cop, he's not going to fuck around. He's going to take it pretty seriously. Yeah. So that was, you know, I saw that. But then Denny said, you know, we need to solve this murder before it sparks a race riot. So in the bullpen, we still can't find Dixon. And... Upton mentions one of his priors that's actually like really disturbing. So if you listen closely, because I know these bullpen scenes go so fast and sometimes details just fly right by you. So one of his priors, he beat an immigrant in Indiana so badly that it put him in the hospital with a skull fracture. And then they couldn't prosecute it because the immigrant was deported. Yeah, that was like a whole. I definitely think you're right. Like, these bullpen scenes go back so fast, and I definitely think I missed that the first go around. But the second time, like when I was paying a little bit closer attention because I was watching on my computer, I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, and you know what's double disturbing about that is that like these things happen for real. Yeah, yeah. I just wow, it's disturbing. I mean, regardless, like political views aside. 
Yeah, just it's beyond disturbing. There, I don't think there's accurate words for how I feel about these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. just ugh. so. Burgess pulls up the campus security footage and it shows someone following Chris into the parking garage. So Voight's like, go find Dixon. But then Outwater beats him to it. And this is just another classic LaRoyce line. Not even LaRoyce, it's just Outwater. Sometimes he makes these just little tiny one-line quips, but they're so great. He just goes, Rusick arrested his alt-right ass five minutes ago. Best line of the episode by far. Just so... It's so funny. Why is it funny? It's like five words, but it's so funny. It's because Lori's delivers it. Like, Lori's delivers it in such a way that it's just so memorable. I know. And he's always so proud of his BFF. He's like, yeah, my BFF did that. (laughs) (laughs) So we cut to the interrogation room with Dixon. And, you know, Voight's trying to level with him at first. Voight does not understand why he's a white supremacist. But then Dixon corrects him. He's a white nationalist. I didn't even bother Googling the difference because I did not want that shit in my search history. Yeah. And I mean, I think all you also need to know is the phrase neo-Nazi is thrown around in this scene. And yeah. It's a cringeworthy scene. It's really cringeworthy. Yeah, man. But I think, again, I think as much as it's cringeworthy and as much as I, like, like these kind of people like Dixon get under my skin – I think, again, it shows how well executed this episode was to go through and kind of have the character of Dixon talk about, you know, why he's not, like, the little bit of why he's not a white supremacist versus him being a nationalist. I knew the thing about the tribes. Like, as much as I hate it and as much as it gives me, like, goosebumps in the hor- in the most horrible way and, like, how disgusting I find this – Again, I think this was a very well-executed scene by Chicago PD writers. Yeah, very, very well. Um, Yeah, so Dixon goes on this weird rant about how people were meant to be with their tribes. And Voight's like, we're the same color, but we're definitely not the same tribe. Um, And then Atwater walks in. And Atwater just slowly but surely works his way closer and closer to Dixon until he's finally just practically sitting on top of him. Yep. Oh, it's just... It's such a good way of getting in his head without saying it. Yeah. And without being threatening and without trying to, like, I think it would have been really easily easy for, especially because of the reputation of intelligence, you know, to be kind of intimidating and, you know, like, there's no lines. Like, intelligence can kind of do whatever the fuck they want. And so I think it would have been really easy for this, in, in this instance, for Kevin to kind of be this, like, intimidating black man and, you know, just kind of do whatever he was going to do to portray that. But I'm really glad that they chose not to, you know, push that stereotype in the scene. Even though it would have been not necessarily them pushing that stereotype, it would have been them pushing the intelligence reputation. But, like, it could have easily come off as him being, like, the intimidating black man. Yeah, and they handled it so well. And just, it's kind of a testament to how much kevin has grown as a cop that he's yeah. you know he's being more he's be he's being more like clever in his ways mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah it's a testament to kevin it's a testament to void and how he's groomed kevin yeah and i think he's you know we've talked about this before and how he's groomed kevin slightly differently than he has everyone else like yeah. he's groomed him in a way to like 
not have him be different than intelligence, but like it's different. Yeah, it's different. It's like I don't know like how to way... describe. Go ahead, go ahead. But it's different. Yeah, it's more. It's like... not as nasty, right? It's more like you said. It's about being clever and sharp and quick, rather than being nasty. Right, and it's, I mean, we have talked about this before, but it's like, it's like Voight actually nurtures the human side of Kevin instead of urging him to suppress it like he does with everyone else. Agree. 100% agree. Right. The Voight-Outwater relationship is an interesting one to me. Yes. Because, like, why nurture it in Kevin but suppress it in Kim and Jay and Antonio and, you know... Yeah, it's a good point. Something I'd be curious to see a writer's perspective on and then like LaRoyce and shit, why am I forgetting who plays Voight right the second? Jason Begay. Yes, and Jason's perspective on. I was going to say Jesse, but clearly not Jesse. Wrong, not even close. Yo, Brenda's not even drinking tonight. I'm not, yeah. (laughs) No, I just... Yeah, I'd be curious to see, like, what they think about the Kevin Voigt dynamic compared to everyone else. Yeah, so the main piece of information we get from this interrogation is that Dixon did follow Chris into the garage, but then he heard a gunshot. And when he heard the gunshot, he left. But he also noted that the person who shot Chris was black, not white. So Mm -hmm. those are the two, like, crucial bits of information we got there. So... We cut to Brianna and she's walking down the street with Jay. And this is where they have a really insightful conversation here. And so Brianna flat out asks Jay about her stance on this. She's like, you know, I imagine that you're against it. And so Jay says, I don't know why people are kneeling anymore at all. He goes, is it about freedom of speech? Is it about the president? And she says, it's about police. It's about violence against black men. And Jay blows my mind here. He goes, then why disrespect the flag? And I just, yeah, my mind was blown here because it presented the issue in such an understandable way. Yeah, and like I said, I think it does a really, this is just another example of them executing, dealing with all the different sides um, of this really nuanced debate. Yeah, and all of a sudden, it was just like that he said that line, and I was like, I see both sides of the argument now, like, quite clearly. Yeah, and I mean, this is definitely, I mean, I definitely kind of already understood a lot of the different sides of the debate, um, but this is definitely, I think, in popular culture, I think this is the best representation I've seen of it done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also just think we could talk about this a little bit later when they get to Jamal being interrogated but I think the fact that they chose college sports over um like the arena of like professional sports is a really interesting move but yeah I think it's just yeah again I like we're gonna keep saying it like this was such a well done episode that's a good point that you bring up college instead of professional yeah the college sports arena for this the flat the anthem protest is a really interesting um just arena for it. I mean, I wrote my, so last year I graduated 2017, um, that fall. So fall 2016, I did a really big piece for one of my classes about 
the anthem protests in college and about like specifically looking at my university and why they hadn't taken place there, but just the college arena in general. And I think it's just, yeah, like it's just such a, it's such a different, you hear different arguments for it compared to pros because, you know, obviously pros get paid and college athletes don't. And so I think there's like the whole thing, the professional sports arena where of like, oh, well, they get paid. Like they shouldn't be doing that. Like this is whole, like this is stupid. But in college athletics, like that's not the way it goes. And I feel like a lot of times college athletics, they're obviously more suppressed as athletes, but they're a little bit more supported when it comes to the protest. So I think it's interesting the fact that they didn't get supported in this instance. Like there's just a whole, it's just a very different part of the debate um, in college athletics versus pro. So I think it's just, I think it's cool that they picked this part of it, which is usually an undertalked part of the debate. That's a really good point you bring up. I didn't think about that at all. It's like the college versus pro debate. That's a really good point. It was, yeah, I think that the semester I spent working on this piece um, that I did for my, like specifically looking at my university, um, but I talked about it, at, like obviously the fact in other instances and in other universities. Um, and even like it talked about the high school level um, too. But yeah, it's really, the college versus pro athletics is a really interesting point for the anthem debate. I know I've always, like, I mean, anthem debate aside, I've always preferred college football to NFL football just because, I mean, they don't get paid, so they still play with their hearts. Yeah, and I think, like, specifically looking at what I, because obviously, like, my university was, like, where I did most of my research, so I think it was just really interesting to see, like, in my university, because my university, for a couple of years, and it hasn't been recently, but for a couple of years, it was ranked, like, without a doubt, as the number one most politically active in the country, and then also sports aren't really a big thing at my school. Like, I mean, we, we are Division One, but, like, we're not that big. Like, we don't have football. We don't have a bunch of other things. Um, so basketball is our biggest thing. And so, like, but we didn't have a single debate. Like, we didn't have a single instance of a national anthem protest. So I thought it was just, like, a really interesting case study. Um, but, yeah, the college athletic anthem debates are really just, like, an interesting thing to look at. And you should read. Everyone should read about them when they happen because they're really – just an interesting case study out of the whole Will you thing. post the link to your piece on, on the Twitter page? Yes, I have to find it in my documents, but yes, I will. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a really good point you bring up. So interesting. And this is where the show is best, if you ask me. When they actually like go there and tackle these issues that everybody else is afraid to talk about, this is where PD is at its best. Yeah. So I think it's just a perfect storm of everything that comes together because this episode was just, I mean, and at this point in the outline, we're not even halfway through the episode and all of these things have happened so far that we're just like, damn. Yeah. So as they're talking on the curb, a black Hummer looking type of car rolls up and it's a Jeep, I think, but it looked like a Hummer to me. So whatever. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this car rolls up and it starts shooting. And so Jay pushes Brianna to the curb and he chases after them and gets a plate. So afterwards at Brianna's, she and Upstead and Jamal, they all talk. And Brianna asks Jay, she's like, how did you know it was coming? And Jay just says, I was in Afghanistan. You just get a feeling. Again, tell me more. Yeah, tell me all of it. Like, I feel like this was going to segue into a story. I just wanted to be like, okay, elaborate. Go on. Yeah, just like, I mean, I love that we're getting more... Like, even though they're just, like, one-liners, like, I'm glad that we're bringing it up again and again, and I think that's great for the continuity part of it, but just, like, give it to me. 
Yeah, and there's something in the way that he says it, too. There's something in his face, and this could be me reading into it too much. I do that. Hi, I'm Gina. Have we met? Um, (laughs) (laughs) But there's something in his face when he says it that's just like he doesn't quite want to talk about it, but he just wants to answer the question and be like, this is where I have that knowledge. Moving on. Yeah, and I mean, I know we'll never, like, part of the reason why I hate Chicago PD, like, the fact that Chicago PD is a procedural is that I know we'll never get the, like, all past episode that this like storyline deserves like I'm thinking about it in terms of Grace did an episode this season where it was like all in the past and it dealt with Owen and Amelia and no not Amelia shit Owen and fuck Teddy and Riggs and whoever the fuck his ex or fiance whatever point being it it was done Riggs's ex was Owen's sister right yes Megan? Yes. Megan, yes. Abigail Spencer, whatever. Yes. That's what I that's what I was thinking the A. I was like, Abigail Spencer. Okay. Anyway. But anyway, so it was an episode done all in the past. And that's what we need for Jay's storyline is we just need an episode devoted solely to that storyline and nothing else, like no case, whatever. But we're never gonna get that because this is a procedural. I would take those sort of flashback episodes for every single character. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And if they could figure out a way to, like, tie in a case to it so that it could be done as a procedural, like, even if we had to, even if we didn't get one that was Afghanistan, ooh, thought. What if we did it with, like, Jay's first intelligence case and kind of the feelings he was going through, like, dealing with the fact, well, no, then you'd have to bring Sophia Bush back. Never mind. You can never do that. But like, write the fic, write the fic. (laughs) But just something like that, where it was like something that dealt with intelligence, like being in the past, like whether it was this first one or whatever, that like, or even pre that, like intelligence, um, when he was working in whatever unit he was working in, like just something where they still had the like Chicago PD asset part, but like you could see in his mind that he was going into flashbacks of what was happening in Afghanistan, but like. I feel like you couldn't do his first intelligence case because then you'd have to bring back Sophia Bush and that's not logistically going to ever work. So You can do it in fan fiction. I'm yeah, somebody saying. write me that fanfic. Somebody go write that fanfic. Yeah, that'd it. be great. You can give me credit. That's all I'm asking for. <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, I would take an episode like that for every single one of these characters. Like, I want to know about Atwater and like oh how God. he came to take care of Jordan and Vanessa. Like, how old was he? You know, was he ready yeah. to take that on? I just it yeah. could be so well done. If and like I said, that's just the one reason why I hate the fact that all of these shows are like procedurals, and so they have to do it like they have to have a case or something every week. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, it's just not how the Dick Wolf shows roll. Oh, not no. that we're complaining, but like you not know. that I'm complaining, but like sometimes I just really want that one flashback episode. And it's instance like this that made me really want that one flashback episode. Right, right. So Jamal tells Jay that he's kneeling because he loves this country and wants to make it better. And so otherwise, you know, Jay and Haley are like, are there any threats against you guys? Like, what's the deal? Why on earth would they try and target you? And both of them are like, no, nope, no threats. We're good. All good. Whatever. So the car is not a Hummer. It's a Jeep Wrangler. I still say it looked like a Hummer, but whatever. <laughs> whatever man 
Um, so the Jeep Wrangler, it so conveniently belonged to the basketball team's assistant coach because of course it did. Of course. of course it did. So Burgess and Antonio go to see him at his big giant gym and he sold the truck and just conveniently doesn't remember the buyer. Now, the way that they were able to find this truck, this is worth noting, is that the car had like a fancy ass engine. So fancy that it was like, there was like a registry and Antonio was like, there's only six people with this kind of engine and one of those is the coach. So super fancy ass engine. And then he's like, oh, I sold it. You sold the Jeep with that fancy ass engine? Yeah, that probably cost you a fortune. Okay. Right. After like all that money and all, okay, that's suspicious as hell. Um, And so the coach is like really cagey with them. He's just very like, he's like, if you want to ask me any other questions, you have to call my lawyer, which like. Yes, he has the right to do, but also looks hella suspicious. Mm-hmm. This is also where Burgess passes him the basketball, and it's like the best pass ever. I don't know why. It just is. Yep. <laughs> Did you catch that moment? Oh, yeah. For sure. And if, like, ten people hadn't beaten me to it, I totally would have tweeted Marina about it. Because, hello, hi, I'm a basketball fan. Have we met? But, <laughs> yeah. Just the attitude. It's so subtle. Like... Well done, Marina. Yeah, and it's just a solid bass bounce pass. So great. So great. So Burgess has had it with his shit. And so as they're walking away, she turns to Antonio. She's like, let's check his phone. And they find that the coach has been calling Kendrick Gaines. And this is the guy who apparently Chris had like Chris had one petty drug charge in high school. Kendrick is the guy who apparently paid his bond for the drug charge in high school. So Rosewater goes and tracks him down. First off, LOL at Ruzik in his rock star coat, and he is still rocking the blue plaid. Like, every moment of this episode, he's rocking a different version of blue plaid. Yep. This show and the plaid, it just, I don't know why it's so amusing, but it is. Whatever. And so Kendrick's just, like, watching this basketball game, and he just says, you know, he talked to Chris all the time, and he just mentions that his car was just ever so conveniently stolen the week before. Of course it was. Yeah, so he's basically like a total bullshit artist. He knows how to play Ruzik and Atwater, whatever. And so Atwater and Ruzik are walking away. And the first thing Atwater says to Adam, he's like, he's lying his ass off, right? And Ruzik's like, oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Now, Kendrick yells at them again. And I can't remember what he calls them. But it's something that like Ruzik turns to Kevin and is like, is he serious right now? Like, are you kidding me? Um, I just didn't catch what he said. What? What Ruzik said? No, like, when Ruzik and Atwater are walking away, Kendrick calls out to them again, but he calls them something, and I didn't catch it. But it was something that made one of them turn to the other and be like, is that us? Is he serious right now? I don't remember. Yeah, I didn't catch it. I gotta turn on the captioning, see, see what it was. Yeah, I don't remember. So... We go to Chris's vigil at the university, and Upton and Halstead are there. Now, if you look really closely, Jay's got, like, not tears in his eyes, but his eyes have that, like, glossy look to them. It seems like he's kind of emotional. Yeah, no. I mean, and I think the line that he says, you know, he's like, you know, black kid at a white college, nails for the anthem, risk suspension for what he believes in, you know, takes gut up, so I'll give him that. Yeah, I mean, when he says it, he just says it in this way. Like, Jay's never going to be outright emotional about something like this. I mean, 
But it does kind of fit. I mean, granted, it's not as young of a kid as, you know, normally Jay gets, you know, emotional over. But it is a kid at the end of the day. Like, he, I mean, he's 19 or 20, but, like, he's still young. He's still a kid. Um, so it kind of fits the profile of someone Jay would be get attached to, per se. Um, but, again, I think this line also really embodied my point about um, – like the difference between the anthem debate in college arenas versus um, professional athlete, um, professional athletics um, arenas and just kind of why they're different um, in some ways. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So, Brenda, do you want to take it from here? Yeah. So they're standing there at the vigil and, you know, Jay's phone goes off. Um, and he shows Upton, but we don't get to see it at first. Um, but they're both kind of like, they have these looks on their face, like, holy shit, like, this is going to change everything. Um, so then they go talk to Brianna, and they ask her, they're like, do you know a guy named Kendrick, J- Kendrick Gaines? And she's like, no, I don't, you know, I don't know who that is. But surprise, Jay shows her, you know, this screenshot of Kendrick's Facebook, which has a picture of the two of them on it. So somebody's clearly lying. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Also, I'm, when his phone went off and it turned out to be a Facebook notification, I was like, does he have push notifications or something? Like. <laughs> Probably. Jay doesn't have Facebook. Jay strikes me as completely anti-social media. Probably. Yeah, he definitely is not on Twitter or Instagram, for sure. Facebook, maybe, but... Definitely not Twitter or Instagram. He's probably that person who, like, has Facebook but doesn't use it ever. Right. Or he's probably one of those people that has Facebook just so he can, like, search for people, like, when he needs to and, like, stalk them on social media for his job. Like, not that he actually uses it. I I just was, like, amused by that point. And then I I immediately was like, no, somebody from the unit probably had an alert set up and, like, sent it to him. But whatever. It was fun to theorize for that second. But still. Anyway, so back at the 21st, Boy and Brianna have this talk, um, you know, and she keeps lying, but, you know, her fo- about knowing Kendrick, but her friend phone records clearly show that, you know, she knows Kendrick rather well. Um, you know, she's like, oh, I was just trying to score. When she finally, like, admits to it, she's like, oh, I was just trying to score some weed. But Boy, you know, he's done this too long. Like, he knows, he sees right through it. Um, but before she can tell him the truth, Woods arrives, and he freaks out about Brianna talking to a cop without a lawyer. And she's like, well, he's your friend. And But then he's like, is he a cop? Uh, well, dude, like, no wonder she's leading an anti-police process. Like, this is where the episode takes a turn. And Denny starts to kind of sing a different tune. And I don't know, when he said that, he's like, well, is he a cop? I'm like, well, hang on a second. Now he's giving her so many mixed signals that she probably doesn't even know what to think. Yeah, and I mean, obviously I can't speak from personal experience, but I would assume that Denny's mixed signals just, you know, it's just him going through what every other black cop through goes through these days. You know, on the one hand, you respect your fellow law enforcement officers and, you know, you want to teach your kids to respect them and, you know, that not all police are bad police. But on the other hand, you kind of have to be realistic that, like, your fellow law enforcement officers might not respect your family because of the color of your skin. And so you still end up having the talk that, like, all African-American families end up having with their kids, you know, and especially young black males like Jamal and Chris. 
But obviously, like, you're going to have it with every kid, regardless of whether they're male or um, female. Uh, but, yeah, so, like, it's kind of this weird dynamic of, like, you have to, like, still have the talk, even though you're a police officer. Um, but, like, yeah, so, like, I kind of understand where Denny's mixed signals are possibly coming from. But, I mean, I can't obviously really speak the, from the experience because my family is neither, like, I'm not black and my family is not in law enforcement. But I, from what I know and from what I've heard from my friends who are black, like, I can kind of just that's what I feel like it would probably be about, but I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's interesting. I don't know. And this is where we see, you know, Denny's kind of handing over control in this episode in that, you know, boy, it's got to keep Brianna safe, but he also, we see glimmers in this scene where, you know, he still doesn't completely trust Boyd. And that's something we've known. It just kind of reinforces that notion. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Voight assures Denny that they were, you know, just having a conversation. But Denny just blames it on, like, immediately kind of blames the whole situation on her boyfriend, Jamal. Um, and so, like Gina said, you know, this kind of is where you can definitely tell the episode starts to take a turn a bit from the first half. Um, and so after, you know, Voight, like, wants to obviously go back in and finish interrogating Brianna. But, you know, Denny's like, well, let me do it. So Denny goes back in by himself and talks to Brianna um, and Voight and Al are kind of looking through the double mirror window thing. Um, And, you know, Brianna ends up telling Denny everything, you know, she's like, Jamal and Chris, you know, had been getting paid by Kendrick for years and Kendrick approached them about, you know, shaving points off of one of their basketball games. And she had threatened to tell her father about the scheme, hence why she ended up getting Oops, sorry, put in the line of fire herself because she had threatened Kendrick to go to Denny about the whole situation. Was I the only one having horrible One Tree Hill flashbacks at this point? You know, you texted me about it and I was like, holy shit. Like, Just, we were, like, we played a guessing game. We were like, who's going to be the Haley in this situation? Right? Like, who's getting hit by the car? <laughs> like, And turns out there, I mean, not hit by a car, but shot. So there was a Haley in this situation. There was a Haley. Oh, my God. That's one episode of TV I will never get over. Yeah, that was a... Don't even remind me. That was bad. Oh, man. Just... So bad. I was totally expecting them to be like, yeah, the guy we work for, Dante. Like, (laughs) granted, Dante's dead, though. Nathan killed him. But, I mean, we're going to talk about this in a second, but something happens to Kendrick, so... That is true. We need to do a whole episode devoted to One Tree Hill. Never mind the other shows we watched. We just need to do a whole episode of One Tree Hill and get it out of our systems. I really want to go back and start rewatching it or rewatching episodes now that it's on Hulu, but I don't, ain't nobody got time for that. We digress. <sighs> I know. Anyway, so kind of as soon as this, like, as soon as she admits that it transitions to Voight and Halstead interrogating Jamal. And so. Jamal starts explaining the whole thing about, you know, that they weren't really going to shave as many points off as Kendrick wanted them to, but they were just going to make, they were still going to win, but not, you know, in the fashion that Kendrick wanted. But then turns out when Brianna showed up, they ended up protesting because Jamal says, you know, he wanted to protest for Brianna and Chris did it because Chris always had Jamal's back. But when they protested, they ended up getting benched so they couldn't fix their 
the game in like their own way. Then this freshman ended up going scoring in 36 points. So they ended up winning and Kendrick was pissed and whatever. And so there's this whole situation. And then Hall said, like, we need you to wear a wire, man. Like, you know, we got to get a confession out of Kendrick. And Jamal's like, well, we already know, like, who did it. And Voight's just like, no, 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 no. Like, that's not how this works. Like, you got to get it on recording. But so then it switches and Denny and Voight are having a conversation. And Voight's like, yeah, we got, we're trying to make this deal with the ASA. But, like, we really need you, Denny, to, like, push through and, like, say that, you know, he doesn't really deserve jail time um, because of his cooperation. But Woods is fine with Jamal looking at jail time, even with his cooperation. So no surprise, Woods is not Woods is not going to bat for Jamal. Denny's like, boyfriends come and go. Like, I got to look out for Brianna. Interesting, but okay. Right? That seemed a little cold-blooded, but... Everything about Denny's reaction towards Jamal in this episode was very cold-blooded and especially at the end like that was kind of heartbreaking which again we'll talk about it in a second when we get there but yeah and I think especially because like Denny just sees Brianna like being in jeopardy and like that's it like he doesn't see the whole part where like Jamal clearly cares about Brianna and Brianna clearly cares about Jamal and so like, Denny and Brianna have this whole conversation, which we can get to now. Um, so, Denny and Brianna have this conversation at home after she gets out of interrogation. And there's a bunch of things going back and forth. Um, so, you know, Brianna's like, thank you. Tells him thank you for helping out Jamal. And then Denny kind of lays it out straight. You know, he's like, Jamal isn't going to come back from this. And Denny's like, it's gambling. It's the one, that's the one sin in sports, you know, that's never forgiven. Um, which I find kind of interesting because it's true. Like, gambling in sports is never, like, a thing. But I think it's interesting, like, fun little side note tidbit. Um, the NBA is trying, like, is probably going to become one of the first, like, professional sports leagues or one of the major ones to, like, legalize gambling, like, possibly as soon as next season. So I think it's kind of funny, like, how the gambling, like, industry in sports has turned. Um, but it's true, like, as of right now, like, that's one of the ones since in sports that's, like, never forgiven is gambling. Um. Well, wait, yeah. legalize it how? Um, Like, for fans. Like, right now, obviously, you can't, like, it's illegal to, like, outside of Vegas and stuff to, like, bet on sports. Mm-hmm. Um, So, I don't know the whole details because it hasn't, like, been, like, confirmed that that's going to happen. But it's, like, very close to being, like, a done deal that, like, you're basically going to be able to bet on the NBA. Hmm. Yeah. So, it's just kind of interesting that, like, it's changing right now and they don't acknowledge that but it's still very true that like you're not supposed to gamble in sports especially as a player like I don't think that part's ever going to change um I would hope it never changes yeah I would hope so too but who knows once it becomes I feel like it's going to be hard once it becomes legal for everyone else um like the players are obviously going to get tons of pressure put on them um so who knows what could happen but anyway so that's just one aspect of this really interesting conversation they have but then they talk about the you know obviously the protests or whatever in regards to Jamal and Brianna's like taking a stand bothers you that much and then Denny's like of course it bothers me I'm a cop like he was protesting me which is interesting because doesn't Jamal say that he was protesting for Brianna 
I mean, like, he had, I think he had done it. I'd have to go back and, like, really watch it. I think he mentions, like, doing it once before because, like, the whole reason they kind of even – I think the whole reason they met in the first place is because Brianna had wrote an article about Chris and Jamal and, like, protesting before – but I think the reason he was protesting that night that obviously got him put on the bench and, like, the point Shaven wasn't happening was because he wanted to do it for, for Brianna because Brianna showed up that night. I just, I mean, it makes me ask the question again. It's like, what in Brianna is making her want to protest her father, you know, what her father is, you know? Yeah, I don't know. And then Brianna comes back. He's, she's like, he was protesting racism. And then she even goes so far as to throw it in Denny's face, you know, about, because he says, Denny says something about like him not being the right, Jamal not being the right guy for her. And then Brianna goes like something about, you know, him not being the right kind of black man for her, you know, because obviously it's kind of assumed from that line that Denny and Brianna are, you know, comfortable. Like they're not poor, but they're not rich either. And so you know, Denny kind of views, like, them as, like, a little bit higher status, and Jamal came from a rough neighborhood and a rough family life and all those things, and so, but Brianna's like, you know, well, he wasn't, it's not that he wasn't the right man for me, it's not that he, it's just that he was the, wasn't the right black man for me, so lots of things happen in this conversation, um, but Brianna just basically ends up grabbing her coat and storming out the door before Denny can say anything. So Jamal, part of, you know, Jamal obviously was supposed to wear a wire. So he set up a meeting with Kendrick at the Squire Lounge thing. Um, Whatever. It looks like a bar to me, but a lounge. Apparently it's classy like that. The lounge. Um, And Antonio's there to supervise and, you know, kind of keep an eye on things. Um, And so Jamal and Kendrick have this conversation. And Jamal ends up pushing Kendrick to confess on tape that he killed Chris. But turns out, where did where was Brianna going? She ends up at Squire Lounge and ends up interrupting their meeting. And so Antonio tries to get her out of the bar, um, which only, like, he tries to do it in a way. He's like, oh, Brianna, like, do you remember me or whatever? But Kendrick, like, buy, like doesn't buy it at all. And it, so Antonio gets made. Um, and Kendrick ends up holding everyone at gunpoint. And, you know, he smashes. Obviously, he figures that Jamal's wearing a wire. So Jamal gives him the phone or recorder or whatever it was. And Kendrick ends up smashing it. Um, And Kendrick uses Antonio's phone and calls Voight and has this list of demands, which includes, you know, a car with a full tank of gas so he can get out of here. This scene was crazy. There's so much happening in this scene. And everything turns so quickly. The minute Antonio stands up, it's like dominoes falling. He's like, oh, Brianna. But in that minute, Kendrick's like, you're a cop. And then you blink and there's like five guns at Antonio's head. Yeah, there's like a gun. At, there's like three guns at Antonio's head. One at Brianna's, one at Jamal's. One that's like pointing at everyone else that's being held hostage in the rest, in the lounge. Quotes in the lounge. <laughs> but yeah, it's insane. Um, what else is interesting at this point, too, is that, you know, fire left us on a cliffhanger. Med kind of did in. I can't remember. Did Med leave us on a cliffhanger? Not really. Like, maybe with characters, there were things that, like, we know are going to carry over, but not. It didn't, like, leave us on a cliffhanger. Okay, so 
I mean, it was kind of a will they, won't they with this episode, but this whole standoff in the lounge, like we're getting down to like, you know, it's, I mean, I'm in central time. So whatever, it's like 945 and I'm like, shit, we've got 15 minutes left. They have to solve this issue in like 15 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever. The clock kept just like waiting down and I was like, oh my God, they're going to leave Antonio in this lounge for the next two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I definitely had a thought like that cross my mind, but... Also, also, if Brett and Dawson knew where he was, they would be losing their minds. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so Voight, you know, is on the phone with Kendrick, and Denny obviously showed up. And Voight's like, you tell me if you want me to do this, like, I'll get him a car right now. He's like, I don't want to, but I will. And Denny's like, we'll do it. And so Voight agrees, and so... Kendrick ends up bringing Antonio and Brianna outside with him. You know, obviously guns to their head, but brings them outside. And, you know, Kendrick pushes them, you know, towards the car that I'm assuming is the one that CPD got them, but still unclear. Anyway, so Brianna, you know, Kendrick tries to put Brianna in the car, but before he can do that, Brianna runs away. And as soon as the opposite of what Antonio said to do. Exactly. And as soon as she starts running, Kendrick has the gun out of his pocket and immediately, like, shoots her. And then, literally, as soon as that happened, shots start flying everywhere. Like, Foyt starts shooting. Denny starts shooting. Um, Antonio gets into the fight with Kendrick's, like, right-hand man. And then it looks like that guy's going to shoot Antonio again. Antonio's so close to death. But then Jay comes out from nowhere and shoots him. And just yes. literally just, like, shots flying everywhere. Yo, I love when Jay gets the sniper shot. Yeah. So great. But anyway, so Voight ends up shooting Kendrick, and Kendrick's dead. Um, and so Jenny rushes over to Brianna, of course, and, you know, immediately yells for an ambulance, like, someone's got to help his daughter. And so at the hospital, you know, Brianna's not doing so great, and Jenny's there. Jamal shows up, and but Denny tells him, like, he's like, you can't see her. Jamal's like, what? Like, she's my girlfriend. And Denny's like, nope, no, she's not. Like, you got to go. And Jamal doesn't want to leave, but then security ends up escorting him out. And it was heartbreaking. Like, Jamal's face, like, that was kind of heartbreaking. Not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I would like to think that Denny would be able to kind of put aside the differences there and just realize that there's something bigger going on, but I get it. Right, like, I get it, but at the same time, like, she's probably not going to make it through. Like, you should think, like, everyone who has ever cared about Brianna should be able to come into this room and, like, pay their final respects. But that's not how Denny reacts. But again, like, I get it. Like, Denny is her father. Like, he should be able to, you know, have say. But it was just, like, kind of heartbreaking in that moment um, because Jamal looked so upset. For sure. There's also that moment, like, speaking of her probably not making it through, Voight asks, Voight's like, you know, how is she? And Denny says, not good. She's dying. And this is the point where I texted you and I was like, yo, how are Diego and Eva still alive? <laughs> yeah. Like, every single child of every single cop who comes through this show ends up dying. Good point. Like, has anybody checked on the Wilhite children? Are they okay? Like, <laughs> Yeah. I just, it's sad. Yeah, it is. It's really sad. Um, But kind of going off of that, so, like, then Voight shows up to check on Brianna. And after, you know, 
you know, Denny's like, she's dying. You know, Voight's like, well, we did everything we could. And Woods is like, well, it wasn't good enough. And that's like it. And that's how the episode ends. Yeah. (laughs) What do you make of that ending? I don't know. Like, I'm part of me kind of is curious to see if this is just another, I mean, obviously it means a lot more to Woods than just this. But, like, I wonder if this is also going to be slight motivation for Woods to take down Voight. Yeah. Like, Voight didn't do anything enough. Like, he didn't help the situation. He just kind of hurt it more. Which, granted, you can't make that argument. It's really Brianna ruined it, the whole thing. Um, But still. So, yeah, I don't know. It was a very ambiguous. Yeah, it was ambiguous. Yeah, it's a weird ending. Yeah, I I could see Denny, like, lashing out and using it as fuel to, you know, push further and take Voight down. The other thing worth mentioning, too, I mean, this was primarily all A storyline. It was like there was no B or C storyline. We got one scene of a semi-different storyline, but that was it. It was just that scene with Voight and Alinsky when they're talking about the body. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And basically all it is is that Voight tells Alinsky what we already know, that the bullet was a match to one that was used in a homicide that they never recovered. We're talking about the the body of the guy who killed Justin. And all we get out of that scene is Voight's like, they're coming for me, Al. That's that's about it. Like, they're coming for me. That's it's just such a quick scene. But I wonder if maybe that's what this episode was for, was to kind of further fuel the fire that Denny has against Voight. Yeah. Which is kind of a messed up way to do that. Like, in the end, like, using Denny's daughter to, like, serve, like, using her death. I mean, obviously, we don't know if she really dies, but, like, it's kind of assumed that she does die. Um, But, yeah, like, using Denny's daughter to serve as motivation for that, like, that's kind of messed up. But we'll have to to see how it picks up when they come back. I hate to say it, but that's kind of the PD way of life now, isn't it? (laughs) Kind of. Somebody needs to take Diego and Eva and, like, protect them at all costs. Yeah. It's probably what, um, fuck, what the, what's her name? Um, his ex-wife. Laura. Yeah, Laura's like, yeah, I'm not staying around here while waiting for someone else's children to die. That are probably going to be mine. Like, I got to get them the fuck out of here. The fire children are all okay, right? Herman's five kids are good. Who else has kids? Terrence is okay, but that's also because Terrence is three. Yeah, that's it. Else is- Nobody else has kids on that show. Just Herman and Bowden? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay, well. They also, don't, so- they also don't get, like, well, except for maybe Bowden, but they also don't get, like, targeted as much. Like, if anyone does, it's Severide. Right. And if anybody were to come after Owen Manning, Owen would just throw a toy in their face so he'd be <laughs> fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm also curious to see now that like every show that is aired, you know, and like they've gone into their like two week hiatus. When we come back, we've got a week of episodes and then we go into Chicago PD and Fire crossover. Presumably everything's still on track for it to be like that first full week of March. So like I'm kind of also curious like when they pick PD and Fire back up after the hiatus, like, how those storylines are going to deal. Because something's got to lead into the crossover, I would assume. And, like, I just don't know. Like, 
one week and then basically essentially another hiatus because usually crossovers don't deal with like the major storylines that like go on for all the shows like they kind of are like you could watch them if you don't ever watch the shows and like still have somewhat of an idea of what's going on so like I doubt anything major is going to happen in those episodes like I'm kind of curious to see what happens when we do come directly back from hiatus yeah me too me too I don't know. Interesting times. Yep. Uh, yeah. I, I'm like trying to formulate thoughts and I'm like, I just. Well, I think we, you know, we already said so much early on, you know, this episode was so well done. Like so, so, so well done. I mean, we've said it before. I've been so impressed with how Chicago PD has tackled, you know, what's going on in reality um, without being pushy. I think that's a really hard thing to do. And I think they've done a really good job of it. And I think this was probably my favorite episode of season five. If not my favorite, like definitely my top two. Um, But I definitely think it's my favorite episode that's like specifically dealt with like real world issues. Interesting. I have, I gotta, I gotta go back and watch the other season five episodes and like see what my favorite would be. Man. But yeah, this was this was an excellent episode. It was just very and and again, like I said before, this is where the show is best is when they go there and they talk about these issues head on that these that people are so afraid to debate and talk about. Yeah. So I was really, really impressed, really really impressed. But yeah, I think that's about all we wanted to talk about. That is probably the end of tonight's episode. Um, any final notes about the show, the episode? Nothing. Nope. I think I've said it all. I think I just hiccuped into the mic. That was sexy. Um, Yeah. So as always, you can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. If you missed our news before, Meet Us at Molly's is now available on Stitcher. So in addition to Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, we are now available there as well. Guys, if you like the show regardless of if you're team iphone team android stitcher or apple whichever if you like the show please rate and review us tell a friend you know we know there are other shyhards out there that we haven't reached yet and again this we you know this podcast is for all of the chicago fans so you know tell your friends rate us review us everything um you know get in touch with us via email we love to hear from you via email we haven't heard from anybody via email lately have we no we haven't Guys, we don't bite. Or I promise. I think we do. Yeah. Um, you can always send us an email. It's meetusatmollies at gmail.com. If you don't want to email, you can also DM us. Um, you know, any way you want to get in touch with us, please do. Our inboxes are safe spaces. You know, if you email us something that you don't want us to talk about on the show, just say so. And that is perfectly okay. Um, but yeah, get in touch with us. We love to talk to you. Don't forget the OCE purchase deadline if you're coming to the Chicago Heroes event. It got pushed, which is awesome, to the 23rd? Yeah, the 23rd. They're also going to be, they also announced that they're going to be selling tickets at the convention. They're going to be a little more expensive, but they are going to be selling like day of, which is super exciting. Yeah, super exciting. So if you're still on the fence, I mean, don't be. Just come to the con. It's so much fun. Or it's going to be so much fun. We're really Um, excited. Two and a half weeks out. It's kind of surreal, but. It's totally surreal. Yeah. And also, we're prepping questions now for the cast. So, 
you know, if you have anything that you want to know from any of the celebrities attending the show or the con, I mean, let us know and we can jot it down in our notes. We don't know who we're going to interview yet, but it's kind of a prepare for all situation. So, yeah, send us questions, please. Um, And yeah, I think that's about all we got. So, yeah, follow us individually on Twitter. I'm Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I am at Bryna K13. And our poor sweet sick Ashley is at Ashnick095 and it's Nick N-I-C. There's no K. Yep. So what were you going to say, Brenna? No, I just said, yep, that's right. Yeah. So we will be back on Friday with a new episode recapping the pilot episode of Chicago Med. Um, yeah. And then for the second half of the Olympic hiatus, we're debating. We might take that week off entirely. We'll let you know. Keep your eyes peeled to social media. Otherwise, that's all we've got. So everybody have a good week and we will see you on Friday. Bye.